0: Back chat. Back chat. Back chat.
1: Politics and current affairs. Backpack. Back chat.
0: Back chat. Your
1: alternative to talk back. Yes, indeed. You are listening to Back Chat here
0: on FBI Radio, the freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swetha Das. And I'm Shami Sivas Subramanian. And as always, we're going to give you the news you haven't heard on your airwaves. First up, we have Back Chat reporter Sonar Sheikh breaking down the change happening to JobKeeper this Monday. After that, we're joined by Jack Boutros from the Transport Workers Union, which is advocating for food delivery workers during the pandemic. It's
1: also FBI's annual supporter drive this week. We'll tell you all about how you can become a supporter and how you can score some massive prizes a little later on in the show. So make sure you listen out for that.
2: It is absolutely laughable.
1: The woman's off her (laughs) trade...
0: Backchat, your alternative to talkback. So many people I know are on JobKeeper, and they've all found it to be super helpful during this coronavirus. Yeah, same. It'll
1: be a massive blow to them when the vital payment is cut next week. I wonder how this will
0: play out. Well, Backchat reporter Sunar Sheikh has the answer. She spoke to experts and some of our listeners about the changes to JobKeeper and what it will mean
3: for young workers. Take a listen. I do artist bookings and event promotion in the live music industry. I went from working on a major music festival in February with a whole year's worth of tours and events ahead to the industry being completely shut down in
2: March, everyone working from home, making no money. That's Yasoda Foster's experience of her industry struggling due to COVID. Like 3.5 million other workers in Australia, Yasoda is receiving JobKeeper. Since April, the government has given JobKeeper payments to employers who have to pass on the full amount to their staff. It's meant that workers can keep their job even when they're not getting shifts and get a minimum of $1,500 a fortnight. JobKeeper's been a lifeline for many. Now, the payment is being slashed. It's basically enabled me to continue working, um,
3: to be upskilling and stay connected to my industry networks. I think if I had to be on Job Seeker and spending all that time going to appointments and applying for jobs instead, I wouldn't be able to do anything practical to help the festival, to build my own business, or help any of my industry peers with grants or in any way. So it's given us breathing space to, to research and make plans for new ways of doing things and prepare for reopening instead of just leaving the industry altogether or, or being unemployed, basically. We weren't able to get a rent reduction, credit cards got maxed out in the time before JobKeeper started. So this has been a lifesaver.
2: The government is changing JobKeeper from the 28th of September. The rules around which employers are eligible for it are changing, says Felicity Sourbuts, Director of the Young Workers Centre.
4: On Monday, there will now be a two-tier system introduced. Um, Workers who had been working 20 hours a week and above, their rate will be reduced from that $1,500 per fortnight to $1,200 per fortnight. And for workers who were ordinarily working under 20 hours a week, their job keeper payment has been reduced even further to seven hundred and fifty dollars per fortnight. It will ultimately mean that workers have you know, less um, money in their pocket during this crisis, and that all is due again to be further reduced come the fourth of January, when those payments will be reduced to thousand dollars per fortnight if you were working twenty hours a week or more prior to the to the pandemic or if you were working under twenty hours your jobkeeper payment will be reduced to six hundred and fifty dollars per fortnight. So ultimately jobkeeper wage subsidy is reducing
2: For your having your income drop by seven hundred and fifty dollars a fortnight means debt and sacrificing essentials. I'm a bit scared about this. It's my household's only
3: income, there's no employer top up. I already borrowed six K for urgent dentistry since COVID so I might be able to borrow more from family and friends if needed but it's hard because everyone's in the same boat it's basically it's going to be really tight and we'll probably go into debt we've already cut out everything we can from expenses but there's some bills that can't be reduced Um, medication's expensive we need internet and phones and the electricity bill has gone through the roof this year so we only turn the hot water heater on for an hour a day now started growing as much food as we can in our tiny garden, um, much to the landlord's horror, um, and we're buying staples in bulk. But, yeah, the cost of living in Sydney is still high.
4: And the impact of the JobKeeper changes on workers generally will be certainly felt, but even more so for young workers. So for workers generally there are... Um, Currently, over 900,000 people still unemployed and 3.5 million people reliant on these JobKeeper payments. Um, And these cuts to JobKeeper, I think, are short-sighted and will cause lasting damage. it will mean that workers ultimately have less money in their pockets to pay their bills and put food on the table. For young workers, they were already vulnerable prior to this pandemic. Are the workers who will be impacted for the longest length of time nationally? Youth unemployment is at fourteen point three percent, and you know these changes will impact so many other workers who are currently connected to their workplaces but you know not open or not getting the same number of shifts as they would have previously. These are work young workers who you know, plans are being put on hold whether it's to move out of home or to start a university course it has real impacts on their ability to you know to get through week to week as well pay their bills so yeah young workers will be will be impacted massively unfortunately. If it wasn't for JobKeeper then what would have
2: happened to the 3.5 million workers who are recipients of it? Charmaine Crowe, Senior Policy Advisor from the Australian Council of Social Services, believes
5: that. A large number of them uh, would have had to have relied on the unemployment payment job seeker. At the height of the pandemic, um, there were well over 300,000 people receiving JobKeeper who were working zero hours. So essentially they, they didn't have employment. Um, but they remain connected with their employer by way of JobKeeper. Um, it stands to reason if the wage subsidy wasn't in place, then they certainly would have been receiving JobSeeker instead. We also know that a large number of people have had reduced hours of employment who are also receiving JobKeeper. Uh, I would expect that many of them would have had to rely in, at least in part on JobSeeker to supplement their income so that you know they had enough money to cover the basics. So it will be interesting to see what happens uh, when JobKeeper is both reduced at the end of this month and also removed um, as is currently planned in March next year. We at ACOS are expecting um, there to be very much an increase in the number of people receiving JobSeeker unemployment payment as a result.
2: For many young workers, like Jessica Tan, whose name we've changed. The JobKeeper changes mean that her employer may no longer be eligible for the payment. So I'm studying architecture
3: and I'm working at an architecture firm part time. So I work part time in retail just to make things to make ends meet. So my parents lost their job because of the virus, and my brother's in high school, so I'm the only one with an income at the moment. Seeing as I'm not sure if JobKeeper will he will be still be eligible for JobKeeper, I'll probably try and apply for JobSeeker because I'm eligible for JobSeeker with my current income amount.
2: Prime Minister Scott Morrison said that JobSeeker and JobKeeper are payments that support people's income but also do not and are not designed to prevent them from going out and seeking work. Is this advice even practical?
4: It's really difficult for workers to find work. JobKeeper has been brought in to keep workers connected to their employer so that we can bounce back quickly after this pandemic. It means that workers can take on shifts straight away and employers don't need to advertise for new workers or hire workers. So in the best case scenario, a worker is kept yeah, connected to their employer where workers haven't been able to retain their jobs throughout this um, you know, really stressful period of time, it is really difficult for job seekers right now to look for work and um, there are not many jobs out there going and um, an analysis of the ABS job vacancy and job seeker data shows that there are th- on, you know, about 13 job hunters for every vacant position across the nation.
3: My industry is highly reliant on the experience worked and if I didn't have experience it's very very hard for me to find another job. See if I lost my job I wouldn't probably wouldn't be able to get an- another
5: job for the next one or two years, especially considering the situation with the COVID. Uh, Research done by Deloitte Access Economics show that if the coronavirus supplement is cut and also removed at the start of next year, as is currently planned, it will cost the economy over $31 billion, as well as 145,000 jobs. So it'll have a huge impact on the economy. This is why economists and business groups are saying permanently increase these payments and help people, you know, keep a roof over their head, put food on the table, as well as put their best foot forward when they're out there looking for a job because it's very hard to do that when you're hungry and homeless. And it will ensure that people aren't living in poverty. So that's what this is about. It's about ensuring people can live with with dignity and not be left behind in, in this recession.
1: That was backchat Sana Sheikh giving us the rundown on the changes to JobKeeper and how it'll impact young workers. And we got a text from Dr. Jabeen from Parramatta who says she learnt a lot and that we really need
0: to support workers in this pandemic. And we got another text in on JobKeeper. Doesn't seem fair that it's less than job seeker Uh it's actually the other way around. On Job Seeker, it doesn't seem fair that it's less than JobKeeper. I lost my job before COVID and times are really tough for me. And speaking to financial assistance, you may have heard that the FBI annual supporter drive is currently happening with the impacts of COVID. We really do need your help now more than ever to keep our volunteer run broadcaster up and running. We're proud to say the FBI has provided independent platform for local creatives and cultural communities giving artists like Sampa the Great, Cosmo Midnight, Flume and Winston Surfshirt their first airplays. If you sign up right now you go in the running to win a
1: case of wine from Unico Zello, a one year digital subscription to the Saturday paper, funnily enough edited by former Backchat host Madison Connaughton, we're keeping it in the family and lots of other cool prizes. Pop to fbiradio.com
0: forward slash support to enter for today's prize and while you do that up next we have jack boutros from the transport workers union to chat to us about how food delivery workers have been affected by covid but first we're going to a song
1: yes in line with the sentiment of many young people being cut off from job keeper this is rihanna's bitch better have my money (laughs) enjoy it is absolutely laughable the woman's off her (laughs) trade Backchat, your alternative to talk back.
0: So I think it's fair to say that most of us have been ordering heaps of Uber Eats lately, yeah.
1: Personally, I'm a fiend fordering ordering biang biang, handmade noodles, uh, bubble tea, <laughs> yoga berry, <laughs> sticky wow. rice every day. Uh, though a new survey from the Transport Workers Union has exposed the dark side of food delivery.
0: The new figures which re- which reveal how low wages and a raft of safety concerns have led to increased calls for action, like providing food delivery workers with masks and hand sanitizers during the pandemic. So we have Jack Boutros from the Transport Workers' Union with us to discuss these very issues. Hi there,
6: Jack. Hi, uh, Tommy. Thanks for having me.
0: Our pleasure. So with food orders skyrocketing, why is it that it's not compulsory for these companies to provide food delivery workers with protective equipment like masks and sanitizers?
6: Uh, so it actually is compulsory, but these companies are currently breaking the law at the moment. and The government's really been sitting on its hands about the whole issue, so... Here in New South Wales, we actually have really tough safety laws which require all companies to provide all kinds of necessary protective safety equipment to their workers. And that's even for companies which are classifying their workers as contractors. Now, we know even during COVID, Uber, Deliveroo and the other companies were not providing even the most basic safety equipment to protect from the virus. Um, And this was not only placing both the workers doing this work at risk, it was also placing people ordering food on these apps at risk as well. So in the survey, we found half of food delivery workers didn't have access to enough masks, sanitizers and gloves from the company they worked for. 74% didn't receive any COVID safety training. 78% weren't provided any sick leave when they were forced to isolate. And to put this all into perspective, when you're getting paid 10 bucks an hour... It's hard to expect food delivery workers to provide their own safety equipment, let alone isolate if they had the virus or got sick.
1: Those stats say a lot. So what about contactless deliveries? Are they actually enforced and working?
6: Yeah, look, so the companies have, have made moves to you know, send out emails about contactless deliveries, but many times food delivery workers will get out and they can't make a, food, a contactless delivery. If they call the company, they just say, well, it's not really our problem.
0: So New South Wales Labor is preparing to introduce a bill on Tuesday to ensure delivery workers have access to these protective items. Can you give us a rundown of the bill?
6: Sure. So the bill is calling for mandatory PPE for all food delivery workers on scooters or motorbikes. We don't have the final wording of the bill just yet, but it will try to clarify the obligations that these food delivery companies have so that they can't keep scamming our safety laws and um, As for the timeline, we're expecting the bill to be introduced into parliament next week. uh, But we're yet to hear anything from the New South Wales government as to whether they'll be supporting the bill. And to be entirely honest, Shami, we're not holding our breath because both here in New South Wales, the state government, but also the federal government, has been shockingly silent on the issue facing these workers. This is despite the fact that today these workers are some of the most exploited in the country and are literally dying on our roads. So New South
1: Wales has also recently introduced paid pandemic leave for workers who don't have sick leave and need to take time off to quarantine. Are delivery workers included in this?
6: Yeah, look, the government hasn't clarified yet, but based on what we've seen, it seems like it will cover food delivery workers. The bigger point to make here is that it's all a little too late. Um, food delivery workers have really had to bear the brunt of this pandemic already without access to any leave, um, and that's also been the case for most workers in New South Wales as well.
1: You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5. A fan with Swatha and Shami, we're talking to Transport Workers Union campaigner Jack Boutros about how food delivery workers have been affected by the pandemic. Now, Jack, food delivery workers are also earning, uh, as you mentioned on average, just over $10 an hour. How come that's so below minimum wage?
6: Well, look, it's, it's so, below, sorry, so below minimum wage because these companies um, classify their workers as contractors. They, you know, they try, try to call food delivery workers businesses and that means that those workers don't have access to any basic minimum standards and work conditions. Um, as a result, we, I mean you're right, they're getting paid $10 an hour on average, which is almost half the minimum wage. Definitely one percent said they're struggling to pay for bills um, or, or keep up with the cost of groceries at the moment. So the sad irony of all this is that you know these, these workers, which the companies they work for call them businesses, um, are working to feed Australians and struggling to put food on their own plate.
0: So these findings have also reignited a debate about whether delivery workers should be employees or contractors. So where does the Transport Workers' Union stand
6: on that? Yeah, look, misclassifying any worker when they're supposed to be an employee and calling him a business or an independent contractor, what, we, what is also called sham contracting, it's a really big issue. It needs to be stamped out. And the Transport Workers' Union runs many cases every year. Um, against sham contracting. But the broader issue here is that workers, regardless of whether they're contractors or employees, must have access to basic work rights and conditions. We've actually got 20,000 members of our union who are sole traders, they're contractors. They're also owner drivers. They own their vehicle and do this similar kind of work. And they get paid fairly because they have access to collective bargaining. They fall under union agreements, which ensures they get minimum standards and conditions. What's not okay is when companies like Uber and Deliveroo call their workers' contractors only to drive them further into poverty and to undermine their safety.
1: So a new survey shows more than one in three workers have been injured on the job. Why do you think that number is so high?
6: Yeah, look, so the the transport sector as a whole is actually the deadliest industry in Australia. We lose more people in transport than any other sector. Uh, but the situation is particularly bad for food delivery workers because they're exposed. Um, they're especially exposed when they're delivering food on motorbikes and scooters. If they have an accident, you know, even a small accident, it can really mean a serious injury or even death for a worker. Um, the fact also that companies doing very little to manage safety obviously isn't helping the situation. And the other point to make here is that when you're paid so little as a transport worker, you tend to push yourself to the limits. You're more likely to drive harder, to drive faster, to work longer hours and work fatigue um, just to get by. And that really all you know, compounds your risks and makes you more more vulnerable as well.
0: On top of that, young people and temporary residents are more likely to work in the gig economy. So how are these groups disproportionately affected?
6: You're yeah, absolutely spot on about that um, they are more likely to work in the gig economy. 80% of food delivery workers are on a temporary visa of some kind and 60% of food delivery workers are in their 20s. So they are disproportionately affected and they're being disproportionately affected because there's fewer options to find other work uh, for a whole heap of reasons. For one, visa holders often have really harsh visa restrictions placed on them, so they simply can't apply for many jobs. Uh, Some visa workers are not entitled, sorry, all visa workers are not entitled to a job keeper or a job seeker, Um, especially the the ones who are international students, have to keep up with really expensive education costs, so they're compelled to take any work they can kind of get their hands on, and particularly for youth, um, we know the youth unemployment rate at the moment is 14.3%, that's more than double what it is for other Australians, so we have a situation where both young workers and migrant workers really be taken advantage of by these companies uh, because these companies know that they're desperate enough to accept the work.
1: So unions have been calling for an increased regulation of the gig economy for a long time now. Ideally, what more would you like to see done?
6: Yeah, we need a complete overhaul of the system. We need a, a system which is able to set safe and fair conditions for all Australian workers, regardless of whether they're contractors employees. No worker in this country should be able to be paid below the minimum wage or not have access to workers' compensation when they get injured at work. Um, Young people are also really concerningly stepping into a world today where these basic protections that we fought so hard for are fast disappearing, and we need to make sure that's not allowed to happen.
0: Well, thank you so much for all the work you do, Jack, and thank you for talking to us today.
6: No problem. Thanks, guys.
0: That was Jack Boutros from the Transport Workers Union about how COVID has impacted food delivery workers.
1: Before we go, as you may know, the annual FBI supporter drive is happening right now. We're sure you've already heard the many fantastic things FBI does for Sydney music, arts and culture. But where does Backchat fit into this and why should you support
0: us? Why should you support us? Ha <laughs> ha! Here we are now. Backchat is a truly independent and volunteer-run news source. As you can tell, it is volunteer-run. That's why we're all over the place and really trying our best, (laughs) can you tell? So in the Australian media landscape, that makes us a unicorn. And by becoming an FBI supporter, it's the best way that you can help us keep us here and help us grow now and into the future. So please join us and support independent media. Head to fbiradio.com forward slash support to renew or sign up. Well,
1: that's all the time we've got for the show today. Another big thanks to our producers, Nadly Sekolovska, Millie Roberts, Nicole ilya Sana Sheikh, and Tanita Razagi.
0: And thank you to our guest, Jack Boutros. And we'll catch you next week. But before we do, Swetha, my love, this is our last show together. I know. <laughs> two whole years of I just know. being my co-pilot. Thank you so much. It's been a privilege and an honor.
1: Oh, bless, bless. Shami, thank you so much for your support and for dealing with my hungover <laughs> every week. If only you knew the stories behind the scenes, guys. It's not good. Oh. Um, it's Yeah, it's been a pleasure co-piloting with you too. Next week is my last ever show of Backchat, so be sure to tune in. Um, but for now, we're going to leave you with one of my favourite songs. And
0: before we get to that song, just to milk this moment okay, even further... Okay, milk it, milk it. Um, uh, <laughs> We've actually received a text which says lots of love for Swetha in her penultimate show, Love Heart Emoji, <laughs> from Nathaniel and Stale Goo. Oh, I my pres- favourite boys. Yeah. I love. I feel like there's a story behind that, but uh, maybe one day we'll be privy to it.
1: Yeah, well, um, I know that they're a big fan of Cosmos Midnight, so they're going to really enjoy the song. Shamu, have we got it <laughs> <We laughs> loaded up? We got it loaded up. Yes, all right. I'm going to introduce it. This is Cosmos Midnight's new song. It's called Idaho. Enjoy. Catch Hi. you all next week.